0: Good morning. Um, Well, I'm going to start with something of a a bit of testimony. um, And and that really to tell you something of our story um, in in terms of why we've ended up in Cornwall. It was about um, three, my wife and I dispute this, but about three or four years ago, three years ago, um, that that I was travelling on a train uh, from Devonport, uh, not too far away, to Penzance. and little did I know at that point that that, that train journey was going to kind of throw life up in the air for us um, in a way that we kind of hadn't anticipated at the time. It's amazing, you know, there's just some some moments in time that you kind of look back on. But let me explain a bit further. <clears throat> at the time we were we were living in Lee Park, um, which um, was a community about 30,000, 33,000 Um, an area of high deprivation, social housing, that sort of thing. Um, The most deprived um, area, Ward, in Hampshire, we were in. Now, that might be considered a challenging place to live and minister, but I think for us, I mean, certainly when we were called there 16 years ago, um, it felt like a challenge. But it had been the place, it had become the place, uh, that we called home. It was the place we brought up our children. It's a place where we have friends. Um, it, it was a place that we felt um, at home, and we knew who we were, and we knew what we were about, um, and and had a strong sense of of just who we were in that place. Then, as I say, I was I'm on this train from Devonport to Penzance. Um, I was. Uh, Commissioned, if you like, by a group called Urban Expression to go along the south coast and look at towns and cities um, and look at the kind of... They, they particularly look at places of deprivation where they, um, they then place uh, self-supporting pioneers. Um, and I literally went from Hastings to Penzance in that time. But as I travelled through Cornwall that, that morning... Um, enjoying some stunning scenery. It really is a nice train journey, isn't it? Um, I was reading some census information, as you do, um, about Cornwall. And I was really struck, um, you know, having holidayed in Cornwall, I was suddenly struck by the statistics that tell us that, well, Cornwall is the most deprived county in the UK, but, but of the social challenges of low incomes against high cost of living isolation and addiction, to name a few. And as I travelled around Cornwall that week, talking to various church leaders um, of different churches and denominations, that, that there was a real sense of struggling in Cornwall. Many saddled with large uh, buildings and preservation orders, and bare, but the congregation's barely surviving. I also learned of some of the darker side of spirituality, particularly further down west, um, where there were many many active covens in in opposition to churches and their ministers. And then it was as if, in the words of Isaiah 6-8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Now this is apparently I sound all very heroic, don't I? <laughs> but the truth is, as you, the observant among you would realise I said this is about three years, three or four years ago, um, <clears throat> and I'm returning home. Um, reality hit, and oh, no, I threw the pens on the floor. Um, reality hit, and it's like, okay, so I, I just go, no job, no, uh, you know. The, miles away from my children who had settled in schools and uni and work and just go, and what are we going to do, and all of those kind of very human questions, um, so instead we, we took a new job where we were on the estate with the Anglican diocese, um, and, uh, and I thought, this this is it, this is what I needed, uh, a new challenge, but But bonus, it's where we're already living, um, so we don't have the sort of pain and upheaval of of moving to Cornwall. And bonus, I found out the Anglicans, because they're centrally funded, pay you more than the Baptists, so we were quids in. Anyway, and things were going really well. Secondary school asked us to run a chaplaincy in, in like a local authority school, we set up some, some really good projects, which, um, since we've left, <laughs> have got lots of media attention and recognition. When we were there, Sarah and I um, were awarded a, a national award with Premier for community building. It was all going really well. And yet, <laughs> there's that still small voice that doesn't go away. So in 2017, we came down and we camped at Creation Fest, where we met some great people, including Tim and Michelle, Barney and Joe, and we began to explore and visit different places around Cornwall uh, to see where God might be, might be calling us to root ourselves. Um, to be honest, I am a bit strange because I got the deprivation map of Cornwall up on my phone and looked for the, the most deprived parts of Cornwall and went to them first. And we literally, we went from St. Just right far west to, to Loo. And Loo was kind of the last place we looked at and didn't expect anything of, really. And, and it's, it's a big story to tell you this morning, but, um, but basically we, we had an hour on the car park. It was the last place we went. We walked through Loo. And just sometimes you get a sense of something... And then we, we got down to the beach and we heard people calling our names and we met a, a, a family for, that we knew from our days in Birmingham many years ago. And just, as I say, it's a long story, but just a sense of them meeting them and, and the story that, the, that they shared. And we just had a sense of, this, this is the place Father has for you. And then we've, as we've journeyed um, over the next few months, from there, it just, God just gave us various affirmations from people we hardly knew. We'd met them a couple of times, saying, "Here's 10 grand towards the deposit that, that you need for the deposit on your house," and, and we're going to pay your mortgage for the first year. Um, but also to, to the lady, the old, elderly lady we met as we were looking around the outside of the house we eventually bought. Uh, and little did she know, this, this affirms my calling to Lou, but she said, Lou is the worst place in the world. Why would you come here? She said, it's a terrible place for elderly people like me. I feel lonely and isolated. I can't get anywhere. I, can't, I don't have a car. I can't afford the train. Um, and she said, it's an awful place to bring young people, looking at Josiah. And I just thought, actually, God's calling us to be here, to journey with people like you. And I mean that in a sense of of not a top down. We're very good at church and charity of doing this kind of top down we serve you. Uh, but actually God's called us I think all of us to be in solidarity with our communities and perhaps the most marginalized in our communities and stand with them and understand them. And I think this is what for me the, the reason I chose this passage this morning is, is that sense of God has called us to live to, to, for this time to be a guest. We, we're very good at being the host, but God has said, go and be a guest in this community. Receive the hospitality of this community and see what comes about. So don't expect anything big in the, in the first year. We've said we're not going to lead anything or start anything. at least a year and then you know we we hope and and we're seeing signs of that we will be invited to participate in solidarity in that community of Lou but it's uh, and it is the thing I love about this passage it's the typical kingdom of God stuff that turns our normal way of thinking on its head Um, let me explain a bit further despite um, Jesus' example of incarnational living, of being God made flesh, servant leadership, we've had 1,500 years of a thing called Christendom, where the, where the church has come from a position of power, a big is considered best, and the size of our, whether it's the size of our congregation, our building or our bank balance, at its best this, this thinking's often based on if we're big, if we have resource, we can do good. But however, it often brings out the worst in people of power and ego. So, for good or ill, this period of Christendom is coming to an end. The the church is losing the grip on power. We're no longer the dominant religious group in the West. And the United Kingdom, we have vestiges of, of Christendom within our institutions. We have songs of praise. Um, we still have some of those privileges. But if we're honest, um, it's, it's not really a reflection of what our secular society is um, in which we live. And those of us who count ourselves among the followers of Christ, um, we, we still make up a significant and influential minority. And I would argue that perhaps we need to embrace those opportunities as coming from and identifying with people on the margins of our society, rather than clinging to an ever-decreasing position of power. Mission, and and it, it changes the way that we do mission and evangelism. Mission in Christendom assumed everyone was nominally Christian. The task of evangelism was to convert people to have a personal relationship with Jesus, one of those great Christian phrases that doesn't enter the language of Jesus or even scripture. So the church's mission was one of come to us and we'll share the gospel. And I think the trouble is we haven't learned to do it in this new world to do it any differently. I guess um, most of us will be aware the West has changed, that the vast majority of people don't count themselves as Christians. And yet our primary method of mission is one of come to us. And we've got a church programme for you, something for everyone, a cafe church, messy church, youth clubs, men's breakfast, alpha, you name it, we've got a programme for you. And now at one level there's nothing wrong with that, and all of those things are good. But it leaves us, again, playing the position of host, which is a position of of power, not of solidarity. Not only do we disempower our guests, but actually, we're so busy with our church outreach programmes, we don't know anyone outside of church to invite. Let me give you an example. I was I was um, invited to uh, walk with a church uh, uh, in in being a mission consultant uh, with that church for a year, and I went at this t- first. My first visit was at this sort of time of year, in the lead up to Christmas, and they had a a massively busy program of activities um, in their church for the unchurched. And I think the week before Christmas, they literally had something every evening, um, uh, an event for the unchurched. Great, you might say. When you dig into this, and this frenetic activity went on right throughout the year, and when you dug into it, you'd say, well, who comes to those things? Well, it's mainly people from the church. We don't really get anyone outside. And I said, Well, you know, how are you inviting people? Well, you know, we've put it on social media, we've put posters around the community, we've we've and, and there was a real hint of frustration in their voices. You know, we've tried everything and nothing works. And I said, tried personally inviting friends or neighbours? Well, we don't really know anybody outside the church because we're busy doing church activities. Okay. So what about actually doing less church activities, maybe hanging out in pubs or clubs or joining a gym or, so you could get to know people or talking to your neighbours? And, and they looked at me quite, you know, as if I was a little naive and said, well, we're busy doing church activities. We haven't got time to, to join clubs and pubs and coffee shops. And it, and it was just that kind of sense of going round in circles so I don't know whether you've um, you've heard of uh, a concept of third places. It's a, a thing um, a sociologist named Ray Oldenburg um, talks about these third places and how important these places are for our well-being and for social cohesion. And he talks about our first place is our home, and for many. Um, or, or, you know, kind of certainly in our culture, home is a very private place An Englishman's home is his castle and all that. Um, and so, at, and, and then, then the second place is often for us, our, our workplace or, um, um, or our place of education, where conversations are quite guarded. We, 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 we don't want to reveal too much about ourselves, we're frightened of how that might affect our career, or we just don't want to, to open up too much of ourselves in the place uh, that we have to spend our everyday and, and our professional life. So Ray Oldenburg, this sociologist, talks about the importance of the third place. And the third places are places where the, the, our social interaction happens. Um, a great example of a third place who remembers the bar, cheers the the programme, so that's a great example of a functioning third place where people come along and spend their social time, get to know each other and and talk life and death stuff, talk about their beliefs talk about um, things that that are important and work out you know, kind of have that interaction that, 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 that kind of gets people thinking about different ways of seeing the world A missiologist, Mike Frost, picks up this idea of third places and he says they're the most significant places for Christian mission to occur because in a third place people are more relaxed, less guarded and more open to meaningful conversation and interaction. And I agree with Frost, but the problem is, you know, for this church um, who are putting on lots of events, their third place is church. And I think for many of us, we spend a lot of time doing church and, and not enough time being church outside in the community. I, w- I will say a word of caution here. I've seen lots of churches pick up on this idea of third place. Um, and, and what happens is the church rents the coffee shop to do an alpha or whatever it be. And, and the church moves to the coffee shop. So actually, you've just—you—you haven't. It's not a third place anymore. It's still the church. Um, one of one of the significant, most significant books for me in my thinking about um, pioneering a mission has been a book called um, Christianity Rediscovered by a guy called Vincent Donovan. And he he wrote this book in the 1960s. So it shows you there's nothing new under the sun, really. Um, Vincent Donovan was an American white Catholic priest who went to work with the Maasai in Tanzania. And he was placed in a mission station, which, as he pointed out, is an oxymoron mission station. Um, And he was just frustrated that the Maasai people would come to the mission station for education, for health, um, you know, for those sort of social services, But there was no opportunity to engage them with with kind of spirituality and faith. So he asked permission uh, from the the bishop to go on safari. And each week he would go out and visit uh, various tribes. And he would go and do this round um, every week for a year and just expound his faith and the gospel and, and tell them of the good news of the kingdom. In going to them and being their guest, he realised how much he'd understood about God and the church. It was completely irrelevant to the Maasai. Um, and in his book, the reason his book is called Christianity Rediscovered is he almost lost his faith because he thought, if, if it's not relevant here and it... Um, it's not relevant everywhere, then then how can it be relevant? Therefore, how can it be true? But actually, in in that journey, he discovered something that was far more um, real, far more genuine in terms of his own relationship with God and his own faith that was far bigger than what he'd reduced it to. Um, But also, you know, in going out and being the guest... Um, and stripping away some of the power of being the host, actually he was able to really understand those people and those communities and, and, and was able to share his faith. And so actually they discovered faith, but he discovered uh, a, a bigger, broader uh, understanding of, of who God was. Uh, and there's an interesting quote. I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head because it's not written down, but in, in the preface of his book, but it says something like this. In, in, um, in going to these people, it's not about um, going on their journey, and it's not about taking them on your journey, however beautiful that is, but it's about going on a new journey together. That's a slight misquote, but that's the gist of it. Jesus was sent by the Father to live incarnationally on earth, and all too often... We speak about Christ, we jump from Christmas to Easter and forget the importance of Jesus, who in the words of Paul to the Philippians, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. Sarah and Josiah and I believe we're sent by God to lose. And there are many words to use to describe what we're doing or what we're about, pioneers, missionaries. I find much of the language problematic, but hopefully you get the gist. We believe, as I've said, it's important to enter this new community as guests, to enjoy the hospitality of the people of Lu, and in time, but not too soon, that we might be invited to participate as catalysts for the kingdom of God to flourish in Lu, as it is in heaven. And I, we want to really thank you uh, in, uh, that in faith, as a community here at Saltash, you've agreed to walk that journey with us by inviting us to be part of you. I've said to Tim from the beginning, we, in the traditional sense of membership, we will be rubbish members um, in terms of being here regularly and participating in the mission in Saltash but we really appreciate being part of you and your prayers and your support for what God is about in Lou. And we hope that we'll find ways of being a blessing to you in return. <clears throat> the transition to Lou hasn't um, hasn't been that easy. We've felt some loneliness along the way of leaving and isolation of leaving behind friends and family. We are a close family, and we've struggled... Um, And our children have struggled being so far away from one another. And we've felt a sense of of everything being stripped away as we lose that sense of identity in knowing who we were in Lee Park and not really knowing yet who we are or what we're doing in Lou. God has really answered our prayers. I'm not just saying it because they're here, but in giving us early encouragement with a friendship with Adrian and Lucy and their girls and Lily and Emily. Pray for them because I'm not sure they realise what they've let themselves in for being friends with us. God has provided finance from some unexpected places and we really appreciate your prayers and and would really welcome some of you who have already visited but um, we, we really welcome you to visit us in lieu um, because that's a, it's a great encouragement um, because it, it does feel like we do feel isolated sometimes. But in all of this, I want to leave you with the thought that we're nothing special. Uh, I don't want to disappoint you, but Tim and Michelle are nothing special either. Um, (laughs) What I mean by this is we're sent to a particular role um, for a particular time. For Tim, that's to be minister of this church. Servant, the word minister means, of this church. For Michelle, it's, it's to be chaplain at, at uh, the university. For me and Sarah, it's to pioneer a new work in Lou. However, all of us, without exception, are sent, whether it's to our neighbourhood, our workplace, community or college, whether we already belong to a club or go to a gym, um, or you know whatever it is, or have a regular pub, I'd encourage you to think about that because we are all sent. The role of the professional minister uh, at their best is not to try and be and do everything or even to draw people into church. It's rather an apostolic calling to equip and send each one of us out to be salt and light in our communities, our workplaces and in the third places. So Tim, Sarah and I, Michelle cannot be the minister or missionaries or chaplains in the places you've been sent and hopefully what I've tried to do this morning is inspire you a little I think I know Tim well enough to to know that his desire would be to equip and empower you but you and only you can fulfil what God is sending you to do I just want to close with a, a brief prayer for us all We send you now back to our broken world, back to our busy lives, carrying something of the light and the hope of heaven. And may God fill your heart, that wherever you go, you may breathe his peace, shine with his love and hold his power to live and love and work in the name of Christ.